0: This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources or info, check out our website, www.anchorchurch.com.au G'day everyone, my name is James Dawson, I'm one of the pastors here at Anchor Church City and I'm also one of the church planning residents. I wanted to give you a quick update about how the residency is going, I'm loving just learning and sitting under Matt and learning stacks from alnaldo and we have our acts 29 assessment coming up in november so i'd love for you guys to be praying for calen and i as we enter that process it's a very important step for us to get external assessment people that have experience and have a very thorough assessment to see about our readiness to church plant so please pray with us. That's going to be a very important step of our journey to potentially church planting. So that's coming up in November. So please pray with us. Now I have the the privilege of closing this Exodus series. We're going to be looking, looking at chapters 35 to 40 and endings are hard. And today is a day of endings, but the ending of this book is perfect. Does two things. First, it answers one big question, one question that we still feel and yearn for today. And secondly, like any good story, it has this one big cliffhanger. And firstly, the big question that we're going to answer today is Will God really be with us? Will God be with us? And I'm sure. A few times in the last few months, you may have wondered, what's going on here? What will all the things that we're going through, how will they be resolved? What's going to change? What if things are never like they were? And I can tell you, I've asked those similar, deeper questions, and it's so often the case that our, our head theology, our, our, our understanding of God In our heads hasn't impacted our heart and our felt experience and we we know what God's God word said we know what his promises are we know what is true and right we we cognitively understand what to believe but we don't feel it we don't have that felt experience so as we enter into this story for the final time I think we can understand what the Israelites must have been feeling we know what you've done, we've seen you work, we've seen you do miraculous things, but we want to know, will you really be with us? Now I'm going to quickly do a flyover of this theme of God's presence, his, his witness of us in Exodus. But then I'm going to zoom in on Exodus 35 to 40 of God building a dwelling place for him to be with his people. Now, this question that that the Israelites asked throughout the book of Exodus, they've been feeling it all the way. Will God be with us? You see, in Exodus 2, it's one of my favourite texts of the whole Bible. God's people have been crying out for 400 years of slavery. 400 years. And all of the stage seems barren and bleak and blank. And they're wondering, is God listening? Is he here? Does he care? Does he know? Will he really be with us? And what does it say? That God heard, he remembered, he saw, God knew. And specifically at the start of Exodus, he's saying, it says that he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. In other words, the promise at the heart of all the covenant promises of God is, I will really be with you. I will be with you. And when the people were wondering what's going on with four centuries of slavery, at that moment, God said something to them. And yet we read that he saw, he heard, he remembered, and he knew. And throughout the book, God's people are asking will God really be with us when he raised up a deliverer Moses he met him in a burning bush and the Lord Lord told him two things from the bush two things that he needed to hear and that his people would always need to be, be, be reminded of I will be with you and I am who I am this is what God reminds Moses I will be with you and I am who I am. Exodus is about the God who makes himself known. But the God who makes himself known is the God who was there. Here's what you need to know, Moses. I am who I am. That's my name and I'll be with you. Now, importantly, if God's with us, how will his presence be tangible? How have we seen his, his presence being made manifest in Exodus? And throughout the book, the presence of God is symbolized by the, the glory cloud. And, and we had this big, crazy hailstorm yesterday, size of golf balls just pinging, ding, 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 off our balcony. We've all seen these big, crazy storms. And God's presence is symbolized by, by the glory cloud. It was there in Exodus 13, a pillar of cloud to lead them all the way. And by night, a pillar of fire. So it was there to protect and to guide. You see in Exodus 14, it was there to keep them safe. When they were literally between a rock and a hard place, the Egyptians at their back, the Red Sea at their front, but the cloud, the very presence of the Lord came behind them and protected them. And when it is time, you'll go through. The cloud was there in chapter 16, it appeared to them in the wilderness then there was fire and smoke in the in the mountain in exodus 24 and the cloud was with them and it settled on mount sinai where Joseph, Joseph, moses where moses would meet with the lord in chapter 34. the cloud is a cloud of glory the cloud is a cloud of glory and now we need we need to capture this this is very important Now, the Hebrew word for glory is the same word as they use for for weight, for for heaviness. How how do you define the glory of God? It is fundamentally an awareness of the weightiness of divine things and the the heaviness of God. It's not an oppressive, crushing weight, but a majestic, transcendent all-consuming fire of god's glory now i think our world and many churches today suffer from this immeasurable lightness of god he's fleeting he's floating he's ethereal churches chase after all of these trivialities as well instead of substance instead of weight. And this, at its very root, is the description that is given of God in the Bible. He is a God of glory, of weight, and heaviness. Now, the presence of God has also been unpredictable so far. So come with me here. Since, since crossing the Red Sea, it has t- at times been distant, And off limits. And that is for everyone except for Moses. And you have to put yourself in the sandals of the Israelites who have had this cloud protecting them from the Egyptians, leading them through the Red Sea, telling them where to go in the wilderness, and mysteriously and fearfully resting upon Mount Sinai. And this all in the past year. There's a lot going on. And only Moses can approach it while they stand at a distance. And then we read about the tabernacle. We come to the end of Exodus, and here we see the instructions for the tabernacle, the place that God's presence will dwell, be with his people. And it's interesting, the commands, they're repeating almost verbatim at times. The, The instructions seem boring, tedious, unimportant to contemporary readers. But these are the things that we can skip. And I'm a bad example because I've, I've skipped them as well. However, this is the, at the very heart of the storyline of the book of Exodus. This is where God's going to dwell. This is how he's going to be with his people. So we've, we've got we've to slow down, zoom in and understand what's happening here at the end of Exodus. We get clues earlier on. Exodus 25, 8, it says, And let them make a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. God's saying, I need my people to make a sanctuary, a tent, that I may dwell with them in their midst. And this is why they're building the tabernacle, that this covenant promise could find its fruition in their midst, that God... Would have a place to live now Exodus 31 ends with two guys who are filled with the spirit and are going to build this thing chapters 32 and 34 suddenly interrupted with the sin with the golden calf and before we come to Exodus 35 with contributions to the tabernacle and it's finally built now There's so much we can say here about these final chapters, but I want to zoom in on a few key things. The whole section on the tabernacle, the instructions, is repeated twice, almost verbatim. Now, I think this is to show how meticulously the people obeyed the commandments of God. And do you want to see something interesting? In Exodus 39, we read seven times that the priestly garments were made as the Lord had commanded Moses. That's repeated seven times. As the Lord had commanded Moses. And you go to Exodus 40 and if you're paying close attention, you read seven times again, the tabernacle was built according to the Lord's commands. Repetition seven times. There's some key clues here for us. Now, I think this scripture is making a very important point about the word-for-word obedience of the Israelites that are happening here after the, the incident, the debacle of um, the golden calf. And we're supposed to see here, this was a new repentant and obedient people. And it might be short-lived, but at least for the time being, they have learned a lesson. And they're getting these instructions. And, okay, yes, tabernacle, basin. Yes, sir, check, check. Just as you commanded, Moses. (laughs) And as we come to the Exodus 40, as we come to the close, with the completion of the tabernacle, it's the climax of the entire book. And for us, it's kind of like a, what a journey. What a journey where we finally... We're done with all the instructions about the tents and the curtains and the utensils. But if we read this closely, it's far from being mundane instructions and woo, they got a tent up. Congratulations. They're camping now. I don't know if you've ever been camping, but as soon as you land somewhere at the campground, those first few, probably that first hour, that's key. Getting the tent up, getting everything out, maybe before it rains, getting the spacing right, getting the tent up is key. And now, this isn't trivial, what's happening at the end of the book. This isn't mundane. This is what the whole book has been about. How do we know that the Lord is really with us? That the covenant promises haven't been cancelled? that God is still going to lead us, he's still going to love us, here's how we know. He made his home among them. The cloud came down and he dwelt with them. And surely it's significant. In this last section, beginning in chapter 40, verse 34, the word cloud is mentioned in every verse. The cloud covered the tent. The cloud settled on it. Whenever the cloud was taken up, if the cloud was not taken up, and for the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day. Every single verse here at the end of chapter 40 mentions this glory cloud, the presence of God. And think about it what the people couldn't approach on the mountain, now they have living in their midst. Can you imagine that? You see, in verse 38, in chapter 40, it says that they could all see it in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all of their journeys. So throughout all their journeys, it was in their sight. They could see it. Now remember, they feared even to hear the voice of God to speak to them from the mountain. They were prohibited from going near it. The people of Israel lest they be struck down and killed. Now this God, this fearful, wonderful, transcendent God has made his home in their midst. This cloud has come down. The completion of the tabernacle represents the coming down of God's glory from unapproachable Sinai into a tent in their midst. And you thought Sinai was amazing. Sinai is coming to live in your neighbourhood. And you all can see it. Now, there's, there's no illustration here. But it's a bit trivial. I was thinking, what if, what if Brad Pitt moved into my neighbourhood? I'm a big Brad, Brad Pitt, Pitt fan. What if Brad Pitt moved into my apartment complex? I'd be pumped. I will be putting the rubbish away. Oh, Brad, BP, how are you going? How are you going? How's your family? What's the next project? I'd be hyped. I'd be kind of borderline stalking. Now, that's a trivial example, but can you imagine God? And not just any God. How much more amazing would it be to have this imminence, this wonder, the glory, the weightiness of the creator near to you, close to you. And this is, this is unbelievable to have a God who is, who is massive and distant and far away and unapproachable. And this is what's amazing about scripture, that this God isn't just massive. We think that he's massive and distant and far away and unapproachable. But in fact, this is the best news of Scripture. That this God of thunder and awe and weight and heaviness and glory moves into the neighborhood. And Exodus 40 answers the one big question that has dogged the people of God throughout the book. Will God really be with us? And God gives a rena- resounding answer. Yes! Yes! And not just any God, the God, I am who I am. God, the I will be whom I will be. This God, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. That sovereign God dwells in the tabernacle and lives in your midst. It's remarkable news. It's a remarkable reality of scripture. Now, as I mentioned, there's also this big cliffhanger. So we get this big question answered will god really be with us yes he's moved into our neighborhood but now we get this this cliffhanger this post-credit scene and the question that's yet to be resolved after all of this good news you notice that moses he can't enter the tabernacle why is that now on one level this makes sense this is this is god's house the builder of a house doesn't get to live in the house after the work is done. Can you imagine that? The builder makes it and he also just takes a key so he can live there. No, no, he doesn't get a key. Well, I hope you enjoy it. I'll stop by anytime I like. That's not how it works. He builds the house for someone else and turns it over to its rightful owners. This is God's house and Moses just put it together. On the other hand, it seems like Moses, of all people, should have access to the cloud, to this tabernacle. Surely he would be welcome. Remember that he already experienced such intimacy with the Lord. Exodus 24, Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain and was on that mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. So why now? At the end of Exodus 40, we read, And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. He was on Mount Sinai. He was in the little tent. He saw God's glory. But now when it's all built and the glory comes to live in the tabernacle, God says, Moses, don't come in. He's deliberately left on the outside to looking in. The question that's left to be answered is do we have access god's moved into the neighborhood but do we have access are his blinds down the garage doors always down the doors are locked the gates are barred do we have access to the god who is in our neighborhood can we get in and this is why i said this is a big cliffhanger because like any good story we're just left wondering. It's just like every Marvel movie. You sit there, you, you, you wait through the post-credit scenes because you're like, oh, the end of that movie, they're tied up really nicely. And you sit there wondering, huh, cool ending. And then you get hit with one, two, three, sometimes like a dozen post-credit scenes that just throw everything back up in the air. And you see this similarly, God in their midst, but Moses can't come in nobody nobody can come in how are they going to live with this god in their midst if even moses cannot come in and that's why right on the heels of exodus comes leviticus leviticus 1:1 the lord the lord called moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting god's going to say something leviticus and exodus are intimately connected And God will speak to Moses for 48 days. And what are they? They're more instructions. But principally, what God is telling Moses, you see in Leviticus 1, they're laws for burnt offerings. And I know we've all struggled with Leviticus. This is where your yearly Bible reading plan that you start January 1 shuts down. But this little pivot here, this connection and flow into Leviticus 1, is central to understanding the unfolding narrative of scripture god's gonna instruct his people about one thing how to make atonement for sin and it's no coincidence that exodus 40 with the dwelling of god in the tabernacle is followed by leviticus 1 and the laws for burnt offering that's the cliffhanger god's in our midst but what do we do because we're still sinners And God is still holy. We're still sinners, and we can't enter the presence of God's holiness. And Leviticus 1 says, you need to make a sacrifice. If this is going to work, and God's going to dwell in your midst, you're going to need to make atonement. And Leviticus, this is next part of this best-selling series. But as we read on Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy they do not tie up all the loose ends either, because ultimately, Exodus and the unfolding narrative of scripture is making its way for Christ. The Lord Jesus, is our Passover lamb. He is our atonement, the way that we are going to be in God's presence. He's the divine lawgiver. And he went up on a mountain and he gave the Sermon on the Mount. He's like Moses, the new lawgiver. He's our manna in the wilderness, our water in the desert, our life-giving rock. He's our, our high priest, our mediator, our intercessor, our mercy seat, our blood sacrifice, and our holy tabernacle. John 14, one says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of only son from the father and full of grace and truth. You see how it all connects just when you thought, wouldn't it be so cool to live in the old Testament? Wouldn't it have been cool to be there and have seen the glory fill the, the tabernacle? No. The word became flesh. God became Jesus in flesh and tabernacled, dwelt with us. And the glory cloud took on skin and bones. The glory of God took on and bones and he wept and he slept and he ate and he died and he rose again and is coming once more and when the curtain was torn at the crucifixion it symbolised that it's finished it's enough that cliffhanger that's in Exodus has finally been answered the God who dwells in our midst is now the God of open access. Not once a year by the high priest, but every moment of every day in our lives. For everyone who belongs to Jesus, you have full access to this God, this this presence, this glory that we see in Exodus. Come in, come in. You go where Moses was not allowed. And it gets even better because 1 Corinthians 6 tells us that the Holy Spirit, the glory cloud that sent from the Father and the Son now dwells in us. We are the temples of the living God. You are the tabernacle. That's what Paul's t- Paul tells us. You are the tabernacle. There's no more camping. God dwells in us. And in Christ, We not only have access to an atonement with God, but we can see the glory of God. We have the very presence of God living in us. God moved into the neighborhood, died for us and said, I will be your God, you will be my people. You can come anytime you like. You have access anytime you like. The door is open, the blinds are up, the garage door is open. <laughs> Stay as long as you want. What a remarkable truth. What a remarkable God. Now, we had, we had some hopes, some dreams for this sermon series. One, to participate in the mission of God. And in Exodus, we see that our God is a God that... So opposes oppression and sides with the downtrodden. And we see that we we have a God that that hears. He remembers his promises. He sees you. He knows you. God's mission is to cover the face of this earth with, with his glory. And he calls us to be agents of that very mission. To partner with him in the renewal of all things. And we do that because god is with us partnering with us secondly we had a hope that you would know the story of god's unfolding plan in scripture and knowing how all the pieces fit together and you see god's desire his his desire to be with his people flow from the tabernacle to the temple and then in john god dwelling with us through Jesus and then through Paul in the New Testament, through us now being the temple, the dwelling place that God's glory will dwell. And so we hope that this series has done that. Started to piece and thread together. That these these books aren't disjointed, but they are beautifully and wonderfully all thread together. And last, lastly, we had a hope for you to know God's relentless. Desire to be with his people. And we've seen that today, that God, from the first page to the last page of scripture, has always wanted to be with his people. And friends, in all of the days ahead, all of the years ahead, I want you to remember this. God is with. dwelling place the very presence and weightiness of God is with you through Christ Christ died for you God will be with you now and always to the very end of the age how can a holy God dwell in the midst of sinful people how can that glory God that glory cloud rest in us, among us only as we rest and have union and communion with Christ. We find all that we lack, all that we need, all that we want in Christ. In him, we see the fullness of God, the glory of God in the face of Christ.